I'm James Neal Jr. with the James Neal Farms in Pearsall, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's always glad to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the battle for acreage continues. We've seen these wild swings in our grain and cotton markets over the last several weeks. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the Russia-Ukraine situation, but it's also a battle for the acreage that the market wants. So that's why we're seeing prices go up to attract more acreage to certain crops. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Knowing what's really in the feed they buy could be a big benefit to Texas dairy operators. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you part two of my conversation with a researcher who spoke in Amarillo recently. As springtime arrives, livestock producers continue supplemental feeding of their animals with nearly 75% of range and pastures in poor to very poor condition. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have the story on Texas Ag Today. It's not uncommon to get questions about when the last winter frost is going to be or late spring freeze is coming. Please join me, John Begnose. We talk about gardening in spring in Texas. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. With grain and cotton prices at historic levels, the markets are battling for acreage as the 2022 crops are going into the ground. But Texas A&M grain marketing specialist Mark Welch says this year there are more factors to consider than just the market price. You know, it, it really seems to be, and you know, we're, we, we need all of these commodities, and so the market is in effect bidding for acres. But I think in a year like this, where we're not only input costs but also input availability becomes a, a real question and concern. What are those crops that give us perhaps a, a fallback, a plan B? You know, well, if I can't get this particular, if it's a seed variety or the herbicide or the whatever it might be, you know, well, what can we do to still you know, maintain our productivity with another system, another set of inputs? Welch says farmers need to evaluate which crops work well on their farm and let that play a major role in deciding what to plant this spring. Thousands of acres of Texas farms and ranches have burned in the past few days. 
High winds and dry weather fueled wildfires that burned more than 68,000 acres Friday, destroying barns, homes, businesses, and fences. According to the Texas A&M Forest Service, a fire in Eastland County burned more than 45,000 acres, causing the closure of Highway 6 for some time and evacuations of homes and businesses Thursday evening in the Ranger, Gormand, Eastland, and Carbon areas. As of Friday morning, that fire was only 4% contained. A fire in Maverick County near the border spread to more than 3,500 acres, while fire crews were busy further north battling a wildfire in Runnels and Coleman County that spread to 7,500 acres. Fire crews also fought a 8,000-acre fire in Reagan County and a 3,800-acre fire in Sterling County. Meaningful precipitation is needed across much of Texas. 90% of the state is suffering from moderate or worse drought. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. A group of Washington, D.C. staffers spent a week in Texas recently. Senate Ag Committee ranking Republican John Bozeman says he sent members of his staff here to learn about the cattle industry. They're in Washington now resting up because they got worked very, very hard. And really, I'm so grateful they they got to, uh, from the sale barn on up, you know, got to sale barn all the way to the packers. And, uh, and even even the producers out on the farm really got to see the entire industry and then hear from the people at, at all of those different phases uh, how present-day conditions were affecting them. Bozeman spoke at the recent Texas Ag Forum in Lubbock. Feed analysis can be a big benefit for Texas dairy farmers. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. When dairies purchase feed, even if they buy the same products, feed content won't always be the same. At the recent High Plains Dairy Conference in Amarillo, Dr. John Gazer of Rock River Laboratory said disparities can be significant. I showed an example of canola meal, two distinct differences from the canola meal supplied in 2020 versus that supplied out of crop year 2021. There was roughly two units difference in crude protein content between those two different crop years. I can say 99% of the feed and nutrition programs I see out there and get exposed to didn't account for that year-over-year difference in that canola meal. But those subtle differences, whether it be crop year, whether it be changes in supplier or vendors, trends over time, we've not captured. In our last report, Dr. Gazer explained that along with nutrient levels, moisture can also vary. He believes accounting for such differences could potentially help control costs. I'd like to see dairies take a little bit more ownership of their feed evaluations and their nutrition program. We've relied upon nutritionists to do this for many years. Nutritionists are great, but they only have so many hours, men and women, to to take feed samples and look at that information. I'd like to see dairies take ownership of their feed evaluation beyond just moisture testing of our forages, but start to look at our commodity feeds, uh, looking at moisture content and nutritional value of our commodity feeds, and developing procedures and protocols where we do it on a weekly basis so that we can pick up on these subtle trends over time. Dr. Gazer says commercial feed testing laboratories can help. It's going to be a shift in mindset, not relying 100% on the nutritionist, but taking over that aspect of the nutrition program and then arming the nutritionist with better information to help the dairy make decisions. And Dr. Gazer says more research is needed to prove it, but he believes adjustments made based on feed evaluation could boost milk production as well. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas pastures are in very dry condition as spring gets underway. Tom Nicoletti has the story. 
My guest today is Tracy Tomasic. He is livestock specialist with the Texas Farm Bureau. And Tracy, we are into the springtime in Texas, but unfortunately, according to the latest U.S. Department of Agriculture condition report for range and pastures in the state, 72% of range and pastures are rated poor to very poor due to the drought. And so that doesn't bode well for livestock producers as we go into spring. Tom, things are a little challenging, more so than previous years uh, as we move into the spring season. Unfortunately, those poor to very poor pasture conditions are a direct reflection uh, upon the lack of moisture that Texas has not been getting over the last uh, few months. Our pastures, the forages that we rely on to uh, raise livestock are are very short and, uh, and thin in regards to quantity. So supplemental feeding is probably going to continue. Yes, there are farms and ranches all across the state that are digging deeper into their stored forage supplies, their round bales and their square bales, much more than they anticipated doing when the wintertime rolled around. To compound the issue moving forward, supplemental feeding also is needed in regards to purchasing grain. Um, and a concentrate feed uh, to increase whether it's protein or energy in those in those rations for livestock. And unfortunately, we have another challenge in regards to high grain prices. All those input costs that are going in are certainly adding up when it comes to taking care of livestock to the best of our ability. That's Tracy Tomasic, a livestock specialist with the Texas Farm Bureau. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas gardeners are on the lookout for the last frost of the year. Horticulturalist John Begno says there's really no way to know the exact date. Well, a lot of planting in the spring hinges upon when the last freeze date is, and we all have averages. And for instance, in San Angelo, it's the 20th of March. Well, that on that day, we have a 50-50 chance of having a freeze. We all know in Texas that really doesn't work. The reason we like to know that is that tells us what our chances are of the vegetable plants, the tomatoes, peppers, eggplants, things that we're setting out that we might have to cover them. The longer into spring we get, the less chance we have. But we all know that we've seen it snow in April in middle of Texas, and in May up in the panhandle it can get cold. So we do those tender plants like that. As a gamble, if we're willing to take the gamble and lose a few of those tomato plants, we can always reset them. It's usually not a deal breaker. And on woody plants, they're much more resilient. They're able to withstand 32, 30. Usually those late spring occurrences of cold spells are not deadly cold like February, for instance, and so might be a little bit of browning, something you could cover some of these plants with a blanket and usually get by with very easy. The whole reason we try to jump the gun or get as much of an early start as we can is because how brutal our summers are. Man, we know in Texas that it's 100 all the way entirely covering the state in July and August and sometimes even September, and that's tough on establishing new plants. Take for perennials, things that you want to get some color, lantanas, hibiscus, things that you want to put out in your garden, your landscape. You'd like to get them established before it gets so brutally hot because they'll perform so much better and they'll live. And so that's why we like to jump the gun. Remember that some things like turf grass, we wait on soil temperatures. 
That's another reason that you should delay planting seed of Bermuda, for instance, or sod of St. Augustine until it warms up. Fertilizer also. Don't jump the gun and try to put it out just because you see budding green plants. Make sure it's good and warm. This is John Begno reporting for Texas Ag Today from San Angelo. Time is running out for Texans to weigh in on proposed changes to hunting regulations. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And houseplants can be toxic to your pets. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash. Like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Houseplants can be toxic to your pets. Dr. Bob Judd says you need to check that out before you buy the plant. Dr. Hillary Olin-Smith is a Texas Veterinary Medical Association member, and she indicated at TexVet Pets that sago palm is one of the most toxic ornamental plants for dogs. Sago palm can be toxic even if the plant is just chewed and not swallowed, and the liver is the organ that is most affected. This plant is extremely deadly, and 50% of the dogs that are poisoned will not survive after liver failure develops. Lilies is another plant that is highly toxic to cats, but the type of lily matters. Peace, Peruvian, or calla lilies are not toxic, while Easter, day, and tiger lilies are toxic. Eating the plant or just ingesting the water that was used to water the plant can be toxic. These lilies are highly toxic and cause acute kidney failure, and many of these poison cats will not survive. Poinsettias are commonly thought to be toxic, but actually are not, but can cause gastric irritation in dogs and cats. Calancho and oleander are ornamental plants that are highly toxic to dogs and cats by affecting the heart and can lead to heart failure, seizures, and death. The yew plant is a shrub that is highly toxic to dogs and cats, and all parts of the plant are toxic, including the berries. The plant causes brain and nervous system symptoms, as well as cardiovascular problems and can lead to drooling, nausea, weakness, difficulty breathing, heart malfunction, and death as there is no treatment for this toxicity. Another toxic shrub is Brunfelsia that is in the nightshade family and toxins affect the nervous system and cause seizures. Jimson weed is a flowering shrub that can cause respiratory failure and death. So before choosing plants for your home and yard, Check to see if they are toxic to your pets. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out for Texans to weigh in on proposed changes to hunting regulations. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. 
On our last two shows, we told you about proposed changes to the definitions of antlerless deer and buck deer and a proposal to modify proof-of-sex requirements for harvested buck deer. There's also a proposal that would once again allow deer hunting with firearms in Collin, Dallas, Grayson, and Rockwall counties. Another proposal under consideration would expand mule deer antler restrictions to an additional 21 counties in the Texas Panhandle. There's a proposal to extend the nine-day general season in 15 southwest Panhandle counties to 16 days and add the special archery season. Another proposal would establish a veterans and active duty special waterfowl hunting opportunity that would take place during the youth-only season in all duck zones. Another proposal would modify the west zone for goose hunting to open a week earlier than current goose hunting regulations. A proposal would remove the daily bag limit restriction of two for hooded mergansers and combine the separate merganser and duck daily bag limits into a single aggregate daily bag limit of six per day. A proposal would reauthorize the requirement to possess a federal sandhill crane hunting permit while hunting that species due to an administrative error. And another proposal would close the turkey season east of I-35 in Ellis County to support ongoing restocking efforts along the Trinity River. You can comment on these proposed changes to Texas hunting regulations online through March 23rd. Go to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website, scroll to the very bottom of the page, where it says public comment. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, we saw the same thing happen to kick off our market trade on Monday that we've seen many other days. The Russia-Ukraine war pushed the grain markets higher. That pushed the cattle prices lower. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833 833- 897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. Call the Texas Agri Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. Once again, 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. 
We saw the same situation in our markets on Monday that we've seen many days before. The Russia-Ukraine conflict continues without any end in sight. That pushed grain prices higher and cattle prices lower. We closed with April live cattle down 45 cents at 140.05. The June down 72 at 136.35. August live cattle up 32 cents at 137.27. Feeder cattle finishing lower. March down 90 cents at 156.10. April feeders down a dollar 12, 161.20. The May down a dollar 70 at 165.75. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on a Monday. Looks like the show lists are mixed this week. A bit higher in Kansas, but lower here in Texas and up in Nebraska and Colorado. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Monday choice up a dollar twenty six at two fifty nine forty two. Select up a dollar ninety four two fifty two fifty nine. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Let's uh, go to Lockhart right quick. Talk to that little country ball of fire, Maddie Bexley, about the sale they had on Thursday. Maddie, talk to us about price and quality. We ended up having a pretty good day. We had 1179 with 217 cows and 56 bulls, 221 sellers and 77 buyers. Let's walk the pins. Uh, on the pears and the stocker cows, the market was real active on the good kind this week. The front end of the pears would have brought 1250 to 1850. Mediocre and middle aged from 850 to 1150. The longhorn and planer pears from five and a quarter to eight and a quarter. The good bread cows from 1000 to 1375. Mediocre middle aged and shortbreads from seven to 975. The planer bread cows from 400 to 675. Uh, the packer cows and bulls would have been steady to a couple dollars better this week. The good high yielding cows from 85 to 98. The medium yielding from 70 to 84. The low yielding and lightweight cows from 40 to 69. And on the stock bulls though we had a good many of them this week the good high yielding bulls from a dollar ten to a dollar eighteen and a half the medium yielding from a dollar to a dollar nine low yielding and lightweight bulls from 82 to 99 and uh, on the calves in your Orleans, they would have been steady to a couple dollars better on a good active market that was all in all it's a great day now madison you have some bulls for next week yes sir we do um we have four pretty nice registered simbra bulls uh, off the doug phelan ranch um they have their papers and they're guaranteed virgin bulls and they've already been fertility checks so they're ready to be turned out on some cows um they'll sell next week about 12 15 or so tell everybody how to contact you yeah you can always check us out on facebook or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476 my cell phone at 979-540-9793 or you can ring bubba at 512-461-6091 we appreciate you thank you maddie thank you sir neighbor i'm larry marble for the texas farm bureau radio network and walking the pins good day Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close sharply higher on Monday. April hogs up a dollar twenty-two at one hundred dollars sixty-two cents. The May up three ninety-seven. 111.07. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby March milk down 2 cents, 22.39 a hundredweight. April milk up 31 at 23.74. The cotton market sharply higher, getting support from the outside markets. In fact, the nearby May contract broke $1.30 today. It was up 315 points, closing at 130.01. October cotton up 298 points, 113.31 with December cotton up 292, closing at 108.16. As we mentioned earlier, the Russia-Ukraine war continues to cause havoc in the grain markets. We were strongly higher on the corn and wheat markets on Monday. May corn up 14 and a half, 7.56 and a quarter. 
September new crop corn up 17 cents at 6.81 and a quarter. The wheat market was limit up at one point during the trading session. We backed off of that, however, on the close. July Kansas City wheat up 41 and a quarter at 11.03 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 48 and a quarter at 10.93 a bushel. In the energy markets, April natural gas up 10 cents at 4.96. April crude oil up 7.73 at 112.43 a barrel. The financial markets were lower on Monday afternoon. The Dow down 317 points at 34,437. The Nasdaq down 118 at 13,774. The S&P down 17 at 4,444. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.